So welcome back. This is the last of the series of the stories of Jesus. We've covered a lot of parables, and you'll have one more to go in your group time at the uh, this next week. But today we want to deal with really, I think, a really important parable on prayer. Prayer makes us aware. One of our first values around here is prayer. We have a prayer wall that's dedicated to prayer. It's got hope on it. Prayer wall. We wanted to fashion like the prayer wall in Jerusalem where you put your request in and pray for. Uh, we have a prayer room for missions. We, we believe in prayer. We have prayer gatherings and prayer movements and prayer initiatives because we, we believe in prayer. But Andrew Murray, the great pastor and author, wrote a lot about prayer. He was a, a South African pastor, and he wrote a book called In the School of Prayer. And he said this statement, which I think is pretty amazing. Your whole world is in your heart. Your whole world is in your heart. Now, this past quote, powerful quote, that over the last seven weeks we've been looking at the heart of Jesus through the lenses of the parables that he's sharing and the lessons we've learned from him. Now, we're in this series, we've been focusing on our hearts. What is God saying to our hearts? Now, Jesus told this parable found in Luke 18 that's a guide to prayer and the heart direction. Now, he's speaking yet once again to the religious crowd, which I think is very, very interesting. A church that is our age, 136 years old, we could drop back into religion and forget about the freshness of relationship. What I discovered as a church planner, there were people who were more hungry in the early days of the church plant, and as the church aged, they became less hungry and less innovative. I pray that we will always be starving for more of Jesus, that he will fill us up, and that filling will have an insatiable appetite for more and more and more and more. He's speaking to our hearts. In fact, we talked about that in the Beatitudes, that we hunger for righteousness. We hunger for all of it. We want all of it. Hunger and thirst. We want all the food, all the water. And this is what Andrew Murray was talking about. And this is really what Jesus is talking about in this particular parable. This religious crowd really believed they were better than everybody else and that they were doing God a favor by keeping the religious law, even though they really didn't keep the rules. It was all external and hypocritical. They believed they were, and they would adjust the rules to their liking and their conveniences. Interesting. We kind of do the same thing. Jesus was teaching about prayer to this particular parable. I think it's appropriate to end this series, this last of the gatherings, with that same focus. Before we dive into it, let's cover some prayer facts, okay? We are to be people who pray without ceasing. Now, wait a second. What does that mean? Do I have to pray like all the time? Do I have to go around with my eyes closed and not run into things? Why do we close our eyes anyway? We close our eyes because it was a rabbinical tradition to close your eyes in respect of the Shekinah glory of God. We cannot look on God face to face and we come into the intimacy of prayer. We close our eyes to shield ourselves from the Shekinah glory of God causing blindness or death in ourselves. That's why we close our eyes, just so you know. But this means pray without ceasing means to have our hearts so in tune with God that praying is like breathing. Oh. Listen to this. Rejoice always, pray consistently, give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, pray consistently, give thanks in everything, this is the will of God. You looking for God's will? There it is. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. Oh. 
Prayer builds unity. How can I be mad at somebody I'm praying for? In fact, when I'm wounded by somebody, I start praying for them because that's going to heal my heart quicker than anything else. I can make the decision to forgive them. We talked about forgiveness, but when I start praying for them, it starts knitting together in unity. When I pray with my wife, it binds us together. When I pray with my kids, it binds us together. When I pray with you, it binds us together. When we were filming this, they prayed over me and bound me together. It's not me and a camera or me and some technicians. It's us talking to you bound together in unity. Prayer builds us in unity. Listen to this. Therefore, I want men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. It builds unity. Prayer opens the eyes of our heart. Prayer makes us aware of the heart change, and your whole world is in your heart. Prayer opens up the eyes, the visual impact of my heart. I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so you may know what is the hope of your calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. So when the eyes of my heart are open, I see the hope of my calling, I see the wealth of his glorious inheritance, I see his immeasurable power, and I see also his mighty strength. Oh, prayer gives us direction and it gives us healing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. Paul said to the church in Philippi, Is anyone among you sick? Pastor James says he should call for the elders of the church who are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sin, it will be forgiven. Oh, prayer builds lives. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. I pray that for you a lot. Because we exist to build lives that honor God, I pray that you'll be filled with his knowledge, understand his wisdom and spiritual understanding, walk worthy, fully pleasing, bearing fruit in his knowledge. Hmm. Oh, there's a lot more. Prayer's vital. In a building life's church like ours, our first value is prayer. We take prayer serious. And even the prayer wall and the prayer movement, we take it serious. So, if you're like me, sometimes it seems that my prayers go unheard. That's just not true. Uh, God is a loving Father, and he knows what's best for us, and he loves me so much that even when I feel like I'm not being reached, he's listening to my prayers. Listen to this. He even prays for me. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness because we don't know how to, what to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings that he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That's Romans 8, 26 and 27. So let's listen to this parable of Jesus, this story of Jesus, and let's never give up talking to Jesus through prayer. So, Father, we come to you in prayer, knowing that you're going to correct erroneous prayers through the divine enablement of your spirit. But we ask that you open the eyes of our heart, that you let us understand your truth, and we'll live accordingly. So just speak through me, Father. I pray this in your name. Amen. Again, I invite you 
to take some notes. And again, I invite you to take advantage of the group material. Now listen, you may be joining us at the end of this series, first time you ever watch. You could go back on our website and watch all of them again. You could do what Tara and I do with Netflix shows. You could binge watch. You could have like eight hours of Weatherford and lose your mind. But this is an opportunity for you to grow. Let me read this parable and then we'll talk about it. Now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. A widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because of this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she will not wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, Then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God got grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, the Son of Man comes. Will he find faith on the earth? Okay, that's a strange ending. Oh, we'll talk about that in a second. Who are these people in this parable? Let's talk about them. Let's talk about the widow first. The widow was the lowest person in the caste system of Judaism. She was uncapped, unqualified, lived on the margin, lived in poverty. She had no political authority. She had no husband to represent her. She was considered property, probably had no children. She was the lowest of the low, but she was persistent. As a woman, she was considered property. She was poor, and she had no standing. There's still an issue with several developing nations where this is true of women. They're marginalized. Widows are often the target of evil men, and the land that they own is being harvested by them. I've been a part of a movement called the International Justice Mission, and they defend widows, especially in Africa, from evil men coming and taking their land that was rightfully theirs. It's still a problem. In fact, um, misogynistic uh, attitudes in the United States are still a problem. Uh, sometimes Tara says to me, would you go do this for me because I'm a woman and they will not listen to me? And that just makes my head hurt. What is the deal with that? And that's because of sin and because of categorization of people. It's just sinful. Women matter to God. Men matter to God. And so we have to have that view. And she demanded justice and she didn't give up for her justice, which is incredibly tenacious of her. Now, Jesus told this parable, probably everyone could relate. Well, who is this evil judge? Well, let's talk about this guy. This guy was self-aware enough to know that he did not fear God, nor did he respect people. It was basically making himself a fool. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And it was common for judges of that day to really be, well, unjust. Uh, there was, there's a, a, a Greek word for judges, and they were called provincial judges. And in the Greek, it says provincial judges. But there was a play on words that the word provincial and the word robber sounded alike. And they, the Greeks would change his name to robber judge. So that was that tongue-in-cheek judge. It's evil. Now, one theologian I read said this, that uh, the judges were like of the Old Testament, where they would be like the judges over Israel. That's not the case. These were judges appointed by Rome who could care less about the people. And they were making judgments based on their own evil decrees. So this evil judge did not belong to God. He did not love people. He could care less about Jews. He was a Roman, and he made these evil decrees. Uh, so he served for his own self. 
Even though he was unwilling to give her justice, she wore him down with her persistency. She never gave up. He gave in out of his own selfishness. He was weary of her pleading. He didn't give justice out of mercy or love, but he gave justice to rid himself of the problem. Basically, he said um, that this woman's going to come choke the life out of me. That's basically what he was saying. She's, she's a threat to me physically. She's going to choke the life out of me. So he did something good just to get rid of the problem. The phrase, I will give her justice, that she doesn't wear me out, literally means she's going to give me a black eye. Okay? That's what it literally means. So this was not a physical threat, but he was struggling with doing right out of his own selfishness. Now, these are the two characters. Then Jesus turns, he said, now let's talk about God. Then he shows us the heart of God. Let's look what he does. God is not like the evil judge, but he's a loving father. God moves on our behalf. If you belong to him in grace, through faith, he moves on your behalf. Listen to this. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever he asks, we know we have what we have asked of him. We know we have what he asks, what we have asked of him. That's 1 John 5, 14. If you believe God is moving everything in your life toward knowing him, he is moving. Huh. Why is it as believers... We need to be aware of those around us who need Jesus. And God is using us to draw them to himself. This is why. This is why we need to be paying attention because God is using everything in our lives to move us to know him. And he's using everything in other unbelievers' lives, moving them to know him. That's why we need to be aware of people's spiritual conditions so we can join God in the process of moving them along. He's a loving father. God seemingly delays, but he doesn't. We can't see all that he is doing. He is working. He is moving, and he's preparing. If we, if we believed he wasn't going to do it, then Romans 8.28 would be worthless. For we know all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purposes. We should keep praying then, because we need to keep depending and expecting Many times we pray as if God needs reminding. It's not God who needs reminding. It's us who needs reminding. Prayer makes me aware of God. It doesn't make God aware of me. That's big. Prayer makes me aware of God. It doesn't make God aware of me. God wants my heart to be fully focused on him because your whole world is in your heart. Oh. When we become a church of prayer, then everything changes because our hearts then are focused on our Father. And not our buildings, our budgets, our programs, our influence, but on our Father. I heard a pastor once say, you know, if you pray about something, you just need to leave it with God and never mention it again. No. No. I will never stop praying for my children. I will never stop praying for you. I will never stop praying for my wife. I will be a man persistently 
knocking on heaven. Knocking on heaven's door. Pleading in prayer because I need to be aware. God doesn't. And when I'm aware of him, he changes my heart that I might live all for him. Andrew Murray, the South African preacher, he had it right. He lived and served in the 1800s, a very difficult time in South Africa, a wild place. He was known as a prayer man of prayer. His famous book, In the School of Prayer, should be a required reading for really all of us. Hmm. When he said, your whole world is in your heart, he was speaking of prayer, and he meant it. So what are you praying about? What have you been pounding on heaven's door for an answer? Don't give up. Jesus is listening and Jesus is moving. He's a loving Father and He hears you when you pray. Now I want to offer you an opportunity. I'm going to pray for you in a minute. And uh, we're going to sing a, an amazing song. Um, but I'll give you an opportunity. I want you to email me your prayer request. Pastor Scott at fpcwimberly.com. And I'm going to take that prayer request and I'm going to place it in our prayer wall. When I go to Israel, I'll often take prayer requests with me and I place them in the Western Wall to, to pray for people, to pray that God would move in people's lives. And I place them there. Uh, the last time I went, I think I placed about 100 prayer requests in the wall on behalf of people. But I want you to send me an email and I'm going to place your request in the wall to pray for you. Maybe you want to raise your hand and step into a prayer room with one of our, uh, our prayer warriors, our prayer counselors, and pray right now. Maybe the prayer that you need to pray is a prayer of faith. Pray is a prayer of faith to trust Christ. Come back to Christ. Take your next step with Christ. Be persistent. Maybe you're praying for your child. Just send me their name. You don't have to send their circumstances. Just send me their name, and I'll place it in the wall. And we will pray for you as we become a people of prayer without ceasing. Our hearts are in tune to God, and we're aware of him and our hearts are shaped all for him. So let me pray for you right now. Father, I thank you that you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're moving, will move in the hearts and lives of those who are listening today and move in their hearts to, to answer the request of their lives. Some are struggling because they feel like you've delayed. Some are waiting for that child that's not come back, waiting for that child that's not been conceived, waiting for that, that cancer to be healed or that financial situation to be resolved. They're waiting. God, I pray you move on their behalf. And Father, let us enter into a, a, a being a people of prayer, to step into the, to the void and pray. Because our whole world is in our heart, we give our hearts to you that our whole world may be yours and we live all for you. Father, those who need to pray the prayer of faith receiving you will do that right now, asking you to be their Lord and their Savior, simply whispering, Jesus, I'm yours. Father, let us take bold steps now to be a people of prayer, to live in the power of prayer. And I thank you for who you are and what you're doing. And I pray this in your son's strong name. Amen.